Blog Talk Radio. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the right of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Welcome. Hello and welcome. Good afternoon on this fine Saturday afternoon, another Saturday afternoon with the collective uh, where young hosts come together each week to talk, discuss, critique, and just go off on any topics in sports, music, television, and film based on our many blogs, our show blog, thecollectiveradio.blogspot.com being our show blog where you can find songs from our What We Hear segment, among other things. Uh, my name is Martin Soares. I am your humble host for this afternoon, um, from 1 to 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, before we get started, we want to shout out Blog Talk Radio, of course. Um, of course, our network, our wonderful family at the Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities. Um, I'm joined by Two of my co-hosts so far, we're waiting on our fourth to join us, um, but I've got Lawrence and Jason Reels, my brothers on the line with me. Fellas, how y'all feeling today? What's up, what's up? Feeling good, feeling great. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We got a, we got a good, we got a nice and full show uh, set for today. We've got some good, um, some good stuff to discuss, as we always do. Um, we'll go into it with our with our um, two big NBA um, news bits from this week. Um, prayerfully, if we get our, our fourth co-host on, 
Um, Tommy Hill, he will lead us in our football discussion, our first football segment, uh, where we'll have some discussion on the NSC East division and um, what's, what we've been hearing from training camp, um, some things that's been going on in that division as of late. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later about what Earl Sweatshirt had to say about the state of rap music and if we agree. Um, as always, we'll have our What We Hear segment, and uh, we'll have some movie updates later and talk about some TV shows that our hosts are watching. So uh, plenty to get to, plenty to discuss. Um, and We want to jump right in, obviously, with our first segment, um, our sports segment. And uh, per usual, we start out with um, the news in basketball this week um, to uh, pretty significant um, trades. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny yesterday that, um, you know, and I count myself in this list, but, um, you know, writers and, and sports people were <laughs> waiting around kind of sarcastically to find out where Greg Oden uh, would be signing. Obviously, Oden, um, the 25-year-old, he was the number one draft, uh, the number one draft pick, uh, rather, in the NBA draft. Um, it's been three years and eight months since uh, Greg Oden fractured his left kneecap um, four minutes into a game. He's only played um, 88 NBA games over the course of his really short two-year career. He's averaged nine-and-a-half rebounds, so nine-and-a-half points and seven-and-a-half rebounds. Um, we should remember Greg Oden out of Ohio State. Again, he was the number one draft pick, um, and uh, he has been uh, sidelined due to knee injury. He's uh, bounced around a little bit from team to team, the Trailblazers, the Celtics, um, and now he is back in the NBA as of last night. He has signed a two-year deal with the de- with the defending champion Miami Heat. Um, I kind of put it into perspective for myself, um, thinking about um, his decision, and initially I was actually saying, guys, that I thought it would best serve him to go to San Antonio. The list was narrowed down for him, and his agent said the list was narrowed down to a few teams that were willing to work him out. Miami, San Antonio were both on the list, um, among some other teams. I think Memphis was in there, um, a couple other teams. But I figured it would come down to Miami, San Antonio. And at first thought, guys, I thought San Antonio would be um, a more conventional fit and um, for the most part, in my thinking, I was thinking it would be less pressure to go to a team um, that obviously in Miami you're you're expected to win. Obviously, they're going for their third straight championship next season. And given that Miami um, struggles so much inside, we've talked about it many times on this show, um, uh, particularly during the playoffs and particularly against the Indiana Pacers, who seem to expose that glaring flaw um, in the in that in that shining armor of the Miami Heat so well on um, their inside play and we've talked about you know the fact that you know and it's not a secret either the fact that they lack inside and I I know Jay has specifically touched on the fact that they would have to make a move for a big man another big man besides a, a Chris Anderson or you know a Chris Bosh who is who is you know we give partial credit as a big man but. Um, we had said that they needed to make that move, and um, seemingly Pat Riley felt that Greg Oden um, is the right choice. Now, he signed to a two-year deal, and it, he had said that a big part of his decision to go with Miami 
um, is that they told him up front that they won't need him to produce until late in the season, which is very true because, I mean, heck, this is the same Miami team that won a championship without Greg Oden, so it's not as if they they really need his presence. Um, however, it, it seems like they are looking to develop his health and make sure that he's good to go late in the later portion of the season. Um, and uh, and it kind of it, it, I came to grips with what this at least could mean for Greg Oden and the Miami Heat. Um, again, for Miami, you're looking for a big. You, I mean, you don't necessarily need much. I mean, you need someone that you know maybe every once in a while you can throw the ball inside to. But we all know that's not their offense. They're not a post-oriented offense. Um, they're a spread-you-out, drive-and-kick offense, obviously, with LeBron James being the catalyst. Um, but th- for defensive purposes, guys, um, if, if if the Miami Heat are able to develop um, a healthy 25-year-old Greg Oden, and again, this is definitely a uh, low-risk, high-reward move, in my opinion, looking at what Miami did um, picking up Greg Oden, because, again, he's 25 years old. While he hasn't been healthy in a few years, um, and based on what his agent has been saying and what I've been reading in his workouts, he is looking pretty good and pretty agile. And from reports, it seems like he's worked really hard to get himself back to a place where he could be on an NBA roster. Um, so, again, looking at what this could mean for Miami down the road, I mean, if you remember what Greg Oden, the kind of player he was, you know, especially coming out of college, um, but even the ceiling that people had for him when he was drafted number one, he had comparisons to Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell. And and it wasn't completely unwarranted because this guy was a an adamant seven-foot defensive presence. I mean, someone that can literally hold down the paint, a shot blocker, um, a, a, a floor runner, um, someone that was pretty agile and mobile for his size and, and a very astute defender. Um, down the road, guys, a seven-footer that can defend the way Greg Godin at least used to um, could be pretty <laughs> could be pretty deadly um, for Miami, given that their defense is already so sound but is really grounded in, you know, the fact that they have their small lineup. They're able to throw LeBron on bigs or on smaller guys, and they, you know, they trap the post, they front the post, and you know they send their weak, they send their help side. I mean, they they overhelp sometimes, and they look to scramble. They they're so fast, they look to scramble and get you to throw those skip passes so LeBron can pick those off. Um, with a defender like a Greg Oden, and we saw it with how Chris Anderson was able to help them this year, just with having another body in there defensively. That's just a big body that can stop people at the rim. Besides LeBron having to stop people at the rim every time, and then offensively, someone that can. Um, catch it on the block, which Chris Anderson did so many times. I mean, at one point, I think he was he was on a perfect field goal streak for some time because he was just catching and finishing off passes from LeBron because you know the bigs have to help so much. So um, at first, I was I was I was saying like I, I started out saying I thought he should go to San Antonio because I felt like it would be less pressure on him to perform long term. Um, however, given some, uh, you know, a whole night to kind of think about it and recollect, um, his decision, I, I, uh, I think he made the right decision, guys. I mean, what do you think, Jay? Um, it, again, I think it's, it's a, it's a low risk, high reward because if, you know, if you went out on it and he ends up being healthy, you've got a seven footer that can help you on both ends. 
um, just at the very least being solid. And if he's not healthy, well, you've got the same team that you've won a championship the last two years. So, uh, Jay, sound off. What do you think about this Greg Oden move for Miami? Um, I, I like it. Um, I've been thinking for a while, a lot of teams around Miami have been getting better in the off season. And I was, I was waiting for them to make a move. And I kind of figured that that would be the move that they, that they were going to make. Um, nobody really loses here. Um, the, the upside for Miami is tremendous. So it's, you can't go wrong with a seven footer, a twenty five year old seven footer. You really can't go wrong with it. Who doesn't have a lot of miles on him? He has a lot of his injury history is obviously, as everyone knows, is just tragic. It's to the point where you kind of feel bad for the guy. Um, but he doesn't have a lot of miles on him. He hasn't he hasn't played many NBA seasons. His 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 body isn't beat up from from playing. It's beat up from injury. So if he can recover. And if he is fully recovered, and apparently his workout was uh, was was something to see. So if that if that holds true, and he's in basketball shape, and they can somehow limit his minutes and protect him for the playoffs, he's not here for the regular season. They don't they don't need anybody for the regular season. They need a a presence in the playoffs to give them solid minutes against a Hibbert against. Uh, against a Brook Lopez now with the with the Nets getting better, they have to worry about these guys. So they had to make a move. It didn't have to be anybody that'll that'll blow the ceiling off the thing, but it just had to be somebody that would possibly be serviceable. And I think they they possibly got that with Greg Oden. It's a, it is it's it's high risk high reward, um, but that's basketball. They two million dollars for the Heat on their on their salary is is really nothing. He's, he's making. Uh, a little over a million a season. That's that's to us. That's crazy. But to an NBA money talks, that's that's really nothing. So if he ends up panning out, and you can get two good years out of him, and you pay him two million dollars, and he might help you win a championship or two, then <laughs> you 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 come out winning in that case if you're Miami. So I I I, I think Spolster has done a good job in the past with managing his big men. I mean, literally, I, I I don't like it, but I mean, a few years ago, that first year when the big three were together, it was like Elgowskis and and Joel Anthony, and they had and they had a bunch of just random old big men that they just kind of like circled out, um, and it just it didn't really work for them. Um, but now, now they have a better crop of those guys. I think um, with Haslam and Birdman and Bosch coming along more, um, so I think they'll be fine with Odin. It's not. It, it it could down the line affect the Eastern Conference playoff picture, um, in a big way, um, or it could not. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. But but good for Miami. Um, good for LeBron. He needs help. Yeah, yeah. Talking about Greg Oden, uh, his decision is fine with the Miami Heat. Um, I think, you know, it's it's like you said. It's it, I mean, it's I, I think it's low risk, high. I see the risk as being very low because because worst case scenario, you never get him on the floor, a la Andrew Bynum this year. Uh, however, the Miami Heat are in much better shape than the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers were, and the Sixers' oh, success. 
come on, Tommy. Let me let me let me let me let me, let me educate, man. Let me educate. The the Sixers were predicated. Their success was predicated on Andrew Bynum being Andrew Bynum, the Andrew Bynum that they paid for, the Andrew Bynum that played for my Lakers and won himself a championship, uh, deservingly. Um, without him, they well, we saw what happened without them. Without him, um, without Greg Oden, the Miami Heat are just fine. Now, and, and to Jay's point, everyone else in the East has gotten better. I mean, everyone else just, I mean, a lot of teams have gotten better. We've talked about them. Brooklyn, Indiana, um, we'll talk about Detroit here in a second. But, you know, you see teams around the East getting better. And like I said before, Jay had mentioned the fact that, you know, the defending champs needed to make at least one or two, you know, moves, particularly inside in order to beef up, in order to, um, and Jay made the point, and it, and it serves completely right, uh, Greg Oden is their insurance for Roy Hibbert in the playoffs. They're, they're, they're stacking up for Roy Hibbert and Brooke Lopez and those guys this year because they, <laughs> they saw exactly what we saw in this past playoffs, and that was Roy Hibbert completely taking advantage of their, their, their one flaw, and that's a lack of an inside presence. Um, so, again, being able to develop and possibly have a healthy Greg Oden could certainly work out to their advantage. Um, I'm thinking particularly on the defensive end. Um, we just got T. Hill on the line with us, um, finally joining us, the Allen Iverson of our show. He shows up to practice whenever he feels like it. Uh, Tommy, we're talking about Greg Oden. Why don't you sound off on his decision to join? Uh, I would say you're Miami Heat, but you're not a real Miami Heat fan, but um, – First of all, what do you think about Greg Oden to Miami? You know, my my Miami Heat just got a lot better. But, uh, you know, I don't like how you just introduced me like I'm recklessly just missing shows, man. You know, I got <laughs> obligations out here. But um, I feel like we were talking about this yesterday, Martin. Uh, but adding a guy like with the, the caliber of Greg Oden, you don't have to rush him back. It's, it's low risk, high reward. And we talked about back when we played in high school together, Martin, and when we had a, a 6'10 guy and Danny Stonkis, I mean, no one really knows who it is besides me and Martin or anybody listening from South Brunswick. But he's a guy that can just, you know, you know, he it's an anchor of your defense. And when you already have a fast defense, it's just like it, it, it just it elevates your your what you can do to to that much of a higher level. So if you get any type of production, any type of consistency out of Greg Oden, whether it be 15 minutes here and there towards the end of the season come playoff time, this is, you're talking about probably one of the best defensive, if not the the best defensive team we're probably ever going to see. I'll go out and limb and say that if you get a healthy Greg Oden. So that's your that's the ceiling you're giving them. With, with a healthy Greg Oden, they could turn into – Probably one of the one of the the top one of the better defenses we've seen um, with with that kind of seven foot presence behind them. And I see what you mean because, like I said, I was saying before um, you came on, Tommy. Um, you know, LeBron James is their rim protector right now. I mean, I've 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 stated it many times to the point where I've I've explained that it's what I don't like about Miami, and that's that LeBron James is your best player at just about everything except three-point shooting. He's their best rebounder. He's their best shot blocker. He's their best defender. He's their best ball hand. I mean, he, he's like – it starts and ends with him, and that, that counts on rim protecting. I mean, we've seen him 
beat up shots many times in transition on fast breaks, even from the Cleveland days. That's just a part of his of his repertoire. But in the half court, um, he can't be the ball stopper and the rim protector at the same time. I mean, he's he's really good, but not even he can do that. Um, so in, at some level, I think I agree with you because you have that anchor. You have that anchor, a seven foot anchor behind LeBron James, who's already looking to you know, protect the rim and, and block shots and make those aerial plays, but you have an anchor now. And so LeBron can just worry about the perimeter and scrambling on the perimeter and, and you know, running guys off the line and sending them right into that seven-foot anchor. Um, so I, I don't I don't think you're too far off with that contention. That would be very Lawrence, scary, what are you thinking about Greg Oden? I mean, I, I certainly hear where everyone's coming from, and, and it certainly is low risk. I don't know how high of a reward it is. I just don't feel like Greg Oden has necessarily proven much of anything. I mean, he is another seven-footer that they, that they will have on the bench, and that's always going to be, I mean, a plus when you're a team like the Miami Heat. Just adding a more size is never going to be a, a terrible thing, but I don't think that he necessarily – changes much just because I don't, like he hasn't necessarily proven anything whatsoever in the NBA to, to, for him to like be a big man of any substantial worth like I, I honestly feel like you know he's going to play a little bit and end up getting hurt again he's going to be sitting on Miami's bench he may win a championship on their bench but I mean I, I don't even see him realistically playing that long. It is low risk though. It is it is extremely low risk. They have nothing to lose by picking up a Greg Oden and I mean, if he does pan out like Jay said, like you said, if he does pan out, I mean, that's fantastic for Miami. That's that's actually scary for everybody else. Them adding another seven footer. But I, I just don't think there's there's much that could be said about Greg Oden's NBA career, you know, to say that like Miami added another stud or 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 anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I I understand that no one's saying that. I'm just saying that I I don't necessarily think that Greg Oden is going to really really mean much to Miami. It is. It's, I mean, especially big, when it, when they it, re-sign a guy like Chris Anderson too. I I mean, I think Chris Anderson. It, it, has has been sort of proven. I mean, he was on those Denver teams that actually made runs, and and we know what Chris Anderson does well, and he does everything that Miami needs a big man to do well. And we saw how they played without him the, those few games that uh, Spo decided not to play him, and we saw how they bounced back when he when he came back. I mean, I, I think that he's their guy, and I think if anything, I mean, giving, I guess giving him Greg Oden as a backup is certainly a plus. But I I think what what they've got when they do go big with guys like Chris Anderson. I mean, obviously they do play that small ball where they throw Boston at the five and, and just get up and down. And that that's what makes them so good, their versatility. But I think when they do have to play big, they have the pieces already to be able to do that successfully. I mean, they, they just won two. <laughs> I do. I do see what you mean um, with Greg Oden though, because I mean, it comes down to, you know, Greg Oden, I brought up Andrew Bynum before because the two of them are the big, and I mean, Greg Oden has been out of the league now for a few years, but they, you know, they both represent insurance policies. And I think the fact that they did resign Chris Anderson Lawrence is a testament to the fact that they know, they know what their insurance policy is. And they, and they know, they know that the, they know the risk is low 
but the, and they but they all you know they know there's a chance that he that he could get hurt again and that he won't play. Um, and I bring up Andrew Bynum because I think it would be a little bit easier to predict, you know, what you're getting out of someone like Bynum, you know, assuming that he's healthy. Obviously, his health is, is always the number one thing with him. But at least you've seen Andrew Bynum, what he can do on an NBA floor. I mean, again, Greg Oden has played 88 games in, in, two, in two years, in his two, very brief two-year career. Um I mean, it's you don't really know. I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't think we've anyone has said it yet. I mean, but you don't really know what you're going to get from him because you haven't really seen anything from him yet. Um, so, you know, that definitely represents the, the risk aspect of, aspect of it. Um, it's the same risk. Like I said, it's, the same, it's not, it's different, obviously, but just in terms of signing someone like Andrew Bynum, um, it's, it's obviously a risk that comes along with it. It's very different situations, I know. Um, but again, it, I think we, you know, we all agree a healthy Greg Oden, um, could be, you know, a scary addition for Miami down the road. Um, just because he, you know, he's a seven footer. He, again, he's 25 years old. Um, and, and the, the point Jay made is important too. He doesn't have as many miles on him, even as an Andrew Bynum. So if you get him to a place where he can play, um, physically, um, in, in terms of, I mean, his physical, um, mileage is not as great as someone like an Andrew Bynum. So that's kind of an advantage that they're working with. But, again, you still have to get into a point where he can play longer than three weeks or two or three weeks. Um, uh, I mean, unless they're just saving. And, and you know, Tommy, we talked about yesterday. I don't think them, you know, I, I think them getting him healthy is important, but you've got to get him in at least midseason. You can't just rest him until he, you know he's not he's not Kevin Garnett. You can't just wait until the playoffs and put him in because he doesn't he he hasn't even played in a playoff series yet. So you got to get him ready first. You know I expect him to be healthy. Well, not I shouldn't say that. I don't I don't know what to expect health wise. But if they are going to get him healthy, I expect to see him on the floor at least by mid season um, because they're going to have to get him ready for that atmosphere um, all around. So. Um, yeah, but Martin, to your point, I feel that I feel like there's more of a risk on Andrew Bynum because he came off a season where he was averaging 17 and 12. Now the the reports came out that he had degenerative knees and what have you, and he's doing all this stuff off the court. So I feel like I feel like there's more expectations on him because he had he has a standard already. Where a guy, whereas Greg Oden, he can come in and give you, you know, five rebounds and, and three blocks a game, and that will be just enough. And it's probably, you know, more substantial to what Miami's trying to do in order to win a championship. You know what I mean? Like, less could be a lot more for him than, you know, Bynum coming back and averaging. If Bynum comes back and averages five and five, everyone's going to be like, okay, this guy fell off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I, I guess I'm just looking at it as, the fact that we've seen what Bynum can do, and I, that's how I'm looking at the risk thing. I mean, the, the the risks with Bynum are are very different from Odin, but they are they are substantial risks. I mean, they, people have questioned his work ethic, his 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 just his mindset overall, his hair options. Obviously, I mean, the risks just kind of go on with Andrew Bynum. But I just look at it from the aspect that maybe it's a it's a Laker bias that I have, but, I mean, we've seen him win a championship, and we've seen him be an integral part of a championship team. I mean, when he's healthy, 
Um, you can give Andrew Bynum the ball on the block, and he will get you a bucket or he will get fouled. I mean, uh, he's he's proven that he has that kind of potential. Now, I see what you mean. If you were to come back and average five points and five rebounds, you would say, well, he fell off. But what I'm saying, Tommy, is that if he's healthy, like for the Cleveland Cavaliers, for example, the team that he just signed with, if, if he's healthy for them, I mean, I don't think he's going to average 17 and 15 for them. Maybe he will, but I don't think he's going to average five and five either. All I'm saying is that you know that he can be productive. We know that about Andrew Bynum when he's healthy. We haven't even seen Greg Oden healthy yet. I mean, he's played. You know, he's played in games. We don't. We don't know what his. We don't know what his 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 physical standing is. We don't know what his mental standing is. We don't have any kind of tangible evidence that when he is healthy, he is a he is a force to be reckoned with. I see what you mean. You know, you give Miami five point six rebounds, a few blocks here and there. That helps them, sure. But to Lawrence's point, Chris Chris Anderson is already doing that for you. So. It's it's an insurance policy type of thing. I think I think you know we're kind of agreeing on all fronts there. And he is a seven footer. I mean, what is what is Chris Anderson six ten six eleven? I mean, and Greg Oden probably has longer arms. He's probably and and you know he's probably a little a little in his prime at least he was probably a little more athletic and more probably more more shot blocking ability. So I remember Greg Oden being a hell of a shot blocker. I don't. I don't know if anyone else can attest to that, but I remember seeing this guy coming out of college like, okay, if anything else, this guy can block shots. Um, So, uh, again, with Greg Oden going to Miami, um, it'll be an interesting development, kind of a hidden storyline depending on how long it takes for him to to get out on the floor for Miami. But we'll we'll have to uh, watch how that development happens with the defending champs um, and see how that plays out for Pat Riley. Also, a side note, I did – in my reading last night, just in looking into, you know, um, the whole Greg Oden situation, I saw two um, interesting kind of bits that could happen in the near future. Um, apparently, Joel Anthony could be on the trading block with the acquisition of Greg Oden. Um, these are all just based on reports from Miami. Um, Joel Anthony could possibly be on the trading block, and it's been said that Pat Riley could go for one more addition um, Two guys, two names that were mentioned in the report I read that are still floating around and out there, Al Harrington, who was released from the Orlando Magic just this week, and Lamar Odom, who has been, who has been floating around. Um, so look for, you know, maybe Pat Riley has another, uh, has another move up his sleeve. We'll have, to, we'll have to look out for that to see if Miami has any more moves uh, this offseason. Um, switching gears over to the other big um, signing this week in the NBA, um, the Detroit Pistons made a sign-and-trade for guard Brandon Jennings from the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the trade went down earlier this week. Um, the Pistons received uh, Brandon Jennings by sending their point guard, Brandon Knight, um, center Slava Krasov, and forward Chris Middleton um, over to the, to the Milwaukee Bucks. So D- Detroit will add Brandon Jennings to complement their other free agent signing this summer, which was Josh Smith. And, guys, I'm looking at just about everything I've read, um, every person that I've read that has written some kind of uh, reaction or or article on this story has been saying the same thing, is that they're adding the Detroit Pistons to their NBA League Pass package. Um, And uh, I think that just speaks to, I mean, if you're looking at this new Pistons roster, guys, I, I think we're looking at a bottom half 
sleeper in the Eastern Conference next season and possibly one of the more exciting teams to watch. Um, I think the coolest thing to me about this um, trade, actually two things, um, the front court that Detroit now has to work with, which I think really kind of counters the discussion we had a couple weeks ago about kind of the disappearance of big men on teams, on NBA teams, and more of a tendency to go smaller. Um, Detroit is coming with a stacked front line, guys. I mean, you've got Josh Smith now. I mean, across the board, first of all, you're 6'10", 6'11". You've got Josh Smith. You've got Andre Drummond, who's going into his second year, who is turning out to be the the beast that, that people said he was. And you've got Greg Monroe, who is one of, I think, one of the more underrated skill big men that we have. And he's still young, so he's still developing. Um, so you've got a, a really, I mean, 6'10", again, across the board. All three guys I just named are athletic, can run the floor, and are shot blockers and hit the glass, um, two of which, Josh Smith and Greg Monroe, are excellent passers for their size. I think Andre Drummond is kind of more of a prototypical power forward guy. He's looking to rebound and block shots. But Greg Monroe and Josh Smith, highly capable offensive guys. Um, you've got a really beefed up front line there of young guys that can that are agile, that run the floor, and that are capable. Um, and then also the other cool thing, I think, you've got a lefty nucleus. How cool is that, Jay? I mean, you've got Brandon Jennings, Josh Smith, and Greg Monroe. That's your nucleus, and they're all lefties. Don't you think that's kind of a, a cool dynamic? I think teams are going <laughs> to, I think teams are going to have to make serious adjustments, being that your three, the three best players are all left-handed. Yeah, I, that that is pretty cool. I mean, I love, I love the Jennings move. Um, I love it for for a few reasons. One reason is that they also brought back Chauncey Billups, so now yeah. you have you have Billups and Jennings to handle the ball handling responsibilities um, more so Jennings than Billups, which is good because Billups is just getting older, um, and and it's it's going to be nice for him to really mentor Brandon Jennings, who has the potential to really be a dog, like really, really, really be like. A, a a standout point guard and he has been. He has like I think he's gotten off to a career that a lot of people didn't think he was going to. So um yeah. having Chaunty there is huge. I, I obviously that front court another thing about that front court is, is that they're relatively young. And and mm-hmm. and that's that's awesome. I, I, I love the lefties. Um and I'm 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 pretty sure yeah, I have a feeling that Drummond is a lefty too. Really? Yeah. I'm I'm not just blowing smoke. I really I I feel like possibly, but maybe not. Maybe I'm just seeing Greg Monroe because I was watching a lot of the 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 NBA, the U.S. Select Team uh, training camp, and um, Drummond and Greg Monroe was there. And and like you said, Martin, Greg Monroe is very very underrated, extremely underrated. And yeah. I don't know how they're going to make that work with the three of them. Because um, I know people have flirted with Josh Smith as a three spot, but I just don't think he's a three. I don't think he can guard threes. Um, yeah. And I don't like yeah. him out on the perimeter that much. So, um, But nevertheless, Detroit has set their front court up to be very, very, very good. Um, I've, they're two guard away, I think, from, from, from being a <laughs> – a, a good a a fully rounded team. I, they they really have no two guard. They have Kyle Singler. Rip Hamilton. They have come on. He hasn't done. I, I don't think they. <laughs> no, nah, Rip Hamilton is still in Chicago. 
Um, I think Roddy Stucky, everybody used to call him like the poor man's Dwayne Wade, but I mean he's not. Um, and and they really, I, I think they need an upgrade at the two guard position to really make them legit. But but they they put together a roster that will that will have them competing for a playoff spot, if not a a a six seven a six a five six seed in the in the East possibly. And I'm on their website, and they got Kyle Singler all over everything. He's the background <laughs> on their website. He's a, he's got a damn banner on their website. Well, get, get him out of here. Yo, man. Yo, if he's the starting point guard for Detroit next year, I'm a, uh, two guard for Detroit next year, or or three, man, I'm going to be mad, yo. I'm seriously going to be tight. That would be That's some going real odd out stuff, though, if you put him around Brandon Jennings and, and Josh Smith and Greg Monroe, and then you see Kyle Tingler running around. That's that's your typical odd man out situation. No, man, I can't have that, yo. Get Derek <laughs> off the floor, man. That's one of them glue so, guys. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you, you like what they did, obviously. You know, you you definitely add, you know, offense. You add a, a spark with Brandon Jennings. So, you know, you definitely – you know, like you said, Jay. I mean, they're you know they're building a, a roster that um, that will compete. You know, at least now they'll have a team that compete. I mean, I know yeah, you know what we like to do is talk about how teams com- you know completing their roster, putting together a full team. You know, we we talk like GMs on here, so we know what it takes to put together a full roster. So that that two guard slot is definitely where they're lacking. It looks like. Yeah. But, I mean, I love how young they are. I really do. Because Jennings is a younger mm-hmm. guy. He's only in his second contract. Drummond, as we know, Drummond's 19 years old. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, he's 19 years old, yo. I'm not even playing. He's 19. This kid This kid was born in 1993. 1993, <laughs> this man was born. And that's when he's 19 That's young. He's 19 years old. And his ceiling is... His ceiling is 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 very very crazy. I mean, a lot of people thought uh, that 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 Detroit was crazy for taking him that high because he really didn't do much at UConn. But you know, they, these guys, seven foot, crazy athletic. DeAndre DeAndre Jordan took a couple years to get going. The the, the same thing can happen with this kid, and then you have you have a five man for the next ten years. So you set yourself up well there. Greg Monroe is still very young. Um, now with Jennings, now they have a three that's not including Billups and Josh Smith that they can build around for some time now. So I think Joe Dumars is doing a good job in Detroit. Um, I think he finally has the money to do it. Um, just like having some bad years now and like and, and saving and, and, and getting the cap space where it needs to be to, in order to make moves. So he is. And he and he got guys, I think, that, that kind of fit Detroit mold. Yo, yeah, yeah. I don't. For me, Detroit is always going to be um, one of the most thugged out teams in the right. NBA. That's just how they've always been. That's how they always been since the Bad Boys days to the to the Rasheed Wallace, uh, Chauncey Billup days where they just was gooning. They always been goons. So like they they I think they're <laughs> they're trying to do the same thing here. And right. if the if the, if the Contavious Caldwell Pope kid actually comes along and is that two oh, guard yeah. that they need, then oh, then they're yeah. really really young and very very good and they can build around them for a while. So, um, good things going in Detroit, man. The sun's coming out in Detroit for once, which is good. 
Right. Yeah. Another note on Andre Drummond. For the record, he is right-handed, and also I even read an article from uh, I think it was Patrick Hayes from the Detroit Free Press who wrote about the fact that he thinks Andre Drummond, in terms of his ceiling, could have a better second year than even Dwight Howard did. I remember seeing the stats. Uh, Andre Drummond's rookie stats were actually better than Dwight Howard's rookie stats. Um, yeah, he was. He was Andre one Drummond of the more averaged thirteen and thirteen and shot sixty percent from the field his mm-hmm. rookie year. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, so off that, and, and just to reference back to the article, per 36 minutes, Dwight Howard's average his rookie year was 13 points and 11 rebounds, and he shot 52% in his rookie season. Andre Drummond, 13 points, 13 rebounds, three blocks, a steal, and 60% shooting in his rookie season. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, just... The the, the uh, little bias from the Detroit, I mean, from the Detroit Free Press, so obviously he's big on Drummond, but, I mean, those stats are very telling. I mean, he could have a mm-hmm. breakout second year. Uh, I know Tommy and Lawrence, you guys didn't get a chance to sound off. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on, on Detroit? I like it, man. I, I, I certainly um, – I like that Detroit team um, back in their earlier 2000s or mid-2000s with Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton. I, I was a fan of them, and I, I was happy to see Detroit, you know, start to make moves to possibly get back to that status. And, I mean, bringing back Chauncey Billups, who still is one of my favorite players in the league, is awesome. I think that, you know, he, he his days certainly are numbered, and, and he – he isn't the Chauncey Billups that he was back then, but at the same time, he can still be productive. He can also be a mentor to both Brandon Knight and Brandon Jennings, you know, kind of allow them to have a guy that they can really learn the ropes from. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is Brand- a guy Brandon that- Knight was part of the trade, Lawrence. Brandon, Brandon- Knight Okay, then Brandon Jennings, but at the same time, a guy, Brandon Jennings now has a guy that, you know, can take him under his wing to an extent and, and kind of show him the ropes and, and show him, like, you know, what it takes to, to really win. I mean, we know Chauncey Billups has a, has multiple championships in Detroit and, and um, Brandon Jennings being able to play. What? Brandon Jennings being able to play under him is going to be awesome. And, um, yeah, I looked up the kid, uh, Kentavious Caldwell Pope. I don't think I actually saw him play in any of the summer league, but, I mean, everything I've read about him says that he he's the shooting guard that that Detroit really realistically misses, or realistically has been missing. I mean, they one article compared him to a Richard Hamilton, kind of a a little bit bigger than Richard Hamilton, and maybe not as pure of a shooter. But at the same time, they said that they have a similar set, which which could be good. Like Jay said, they're they're that two guard away. I mean, I like. Obviously, I like uh, Kyle Singler at the three. I'm, I'm always going to like Kyle Singler. I think Kyle Singler is certainly solid. And, I mean, he averaged nine points last year, four boards. I, I think that's decent enough numbers, you know, from a, from a guy that's, that's still very, very young and, and hopefully getting better. It seems like he's getting better. So uh, I, I like the Detroit team a lot. I, I look forward to seeing them further down the line in the playoffs. Tommy, your expectations? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, this was the team that I picked as my surprise team a couple weeks back before they even made That's the, right. the Brandon Jennings That's trade. Right. And just looking at them, what you guys have all been, what you guys have been saying, Jay and Hell, you know, 
with um, Joe Dumars making the right moves and Chauncey Billows being that mentor for Brandon Jennings. It's just they're making the right steps to become a serious contender in the East. I don't think they're going to be quite there yet, but I'm excited to see what what, what they're going to look like because I, I did watch a few summer league games, and Andre Jumman, all although he is you know that next big man, he is a little slew-footed and a little bit, uncoordinated, kind of like a, he has a little JaVel McGee in him. So he, he does need to harness his skill set, and, you know, I feel like that would take at least a couple more years. But, you know, as of next year, the product they'll have, it's going to be I, definitely going to be a six or a five seed in the East, I would say. So I'm, I'm intrigued by him. I'm definitely intrigued by him. Yeah, I uh, I noted that in my um... – and when I wrote up my initial reaction on our on our basketball blog, basketballfeed.blogspot.com, I, I mentioned that I that's that's fully my expectation. I see a team that can be a bottom half sleeper in the Eastern Conference playoffs next year, and quite frankly, a team that no one in that top half will really want to see because based on the pieces they have now, they're big, they're young, they're going to be fast, and they'll be able to score. I mean, they didn't have a backcourt. Uh, spark like a Brandon Jennings. Not, Brandon Knight is not the offensive player that Brandon Jennings is. I mean, this is a guy that put up 55 in a game before. I mean, this guy can fill it up. So um, I definitely, I think, one of the possibly one of the more exciting teams to watch next year. I mean, look out. They're going to be young and fast, and they're going to be able to put points up. So uh, we'll have our eyes on the Detroit Pistons. Um, definitely something to watch for next year. Um We'll segue now into, and I'll hand it over to Tommy to to kick off our discussion. But we're going to start our first, our very first NFL football segment. Um, we will do this from now on. We're going to break it down by division for the next few weeks and just talk about. Uh, Tommy will share some stuff he's heard from training camp. Um, today we're talking some NFC East action. Um, a couple of the you know the storylines that we hear and. Uh, Tommy will lead us in our discussion. Um, just as a forewarning, we will be starting our fantasy football discussion segments um, as, obviously, the fantasy football season approaches, um, and we will be starting our own fantasy football collective group for any of our listeners, um, podcast listeners, live listeners, whatever the case may be. Uh, we will be starting our collective fantasy football group, so look out for that. And you'll be able to join that and uh, and come on the show, and we should have some interesting interesting segments uh, this fall. So look out for that. So Tommy, why don't you lead us in our first uh, our first NFL segment? What do you got for us today? Just some uh, I just got some light news from the NFC East. You know, you got to start off. First of all, I got to say, you know, I'm a I'm a longtime football fan and player since I was in you know third grade. Um, this is a game that, you know, brings a lot of pride and passion, you know, just talking about it. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this segment. And, and y'all, I mean, I know y'all are big fantasy football fans. Uh, you know, you guys are, you know, participating in fantasy football. So I'm looking forward to getting into it with y'all and um, as further we go. But I got to start with the NFC East. I got to start with the, the top, you know, the RG3, depending on his health. Coming back this season, he took the NFC by, NFC East by storm last season. Um, rookie running back Alfred Morris, you know, he looked he was the uh, the second leading rusher in the NFL. Redskins are a dangerous squad, and you know, if, if RG three comes back healthy, it, it's going to be another big year for them. And um, you know, I'm gonna just keep going down the line. Just some light news, 
we'll, I'll get more information as we go along with the the preseason. You know, we'll see injuries and different, uh, you know, maybe some transitions, some trades that come up. But um, with the Giants, the big the big news for them so far has been Victor Cruz signing his six year, forty six million dollar contract. Um, they locked in their, I wouldn't say their primary receiver because I'm a big uh, Hakeem Nicks fan as well, so they got to get his situation settled as well. Um, they were also concerned about J- Jason Pierre-Paul, their defensive lineman, coming back from back surgery. Um, the, actually, their, uh, their, their rookie running back from last season, David Wilson, I want to say. I'm not sure if that's his name, but the, the rookie running back who was going to a lot of starting time this season. Um, they're actually in a, they're they're expecting a lot from him. Um, the Philly Eagles, which will there's another story that we have to we have to touch on. But um, just from early training camp stories, uh, I read an article on NJ.com from Jordan Ranan. I'm not I don't know if I butchered the dude's name. I apologize, but just some uh, early early numbers. Vic was 13 for 19. With the starting unit, three TDs, Nick Foles was eight for 16, uh, one TD, one interception, and, and Matt, Matt Barkley just looked awful, man. Just, uh, you know, four for 16, zero TDs, you know, wasn't in rhythm or anything. So it looks like Michael Vick is actually leading the candidacy for the starting quarterback with the Eagles, which is, a, you know, it's a good time for me because I, I've always been a, a, a huge Mike Vick fan and, you know, I, I I root for him and for him to be successful in the Philly Eagles. So that, that's always intriguing. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys, who are actually playing in the Hall of Fame game this Sunday, um, they got the new defensive coordinator, Monty Kiffin, in, in place, and the new offensive, offensive coordinator, Bill Callahan, taking the play calls away from Jason Garrett. So, um, you know, the, the Cowboys, with all that talent, they're always looking – it's America's team, quote, quote, unquote, and which I, you know, despise because they, you know, there's no production with that label in the past five to, you know, seven seasons. And um, so, you know, that, but, you know, the Cowboys, you know, for me, it's, it's you love to hate them. And, you know, but um, they're a team that can definitely be a, be a team that pushes for a playoff any season as long as they get it together. Uh, this this upcoming Sunday, uh, Tony Romo is going to be out um, just for precautionary reasons. It's the first game, so they're going to be playing. Um, they're going to be it's the first of five preseason games for them. So uh, yeah, that's just a, a little NFC's breakdown. But um, you know, the main story which Martin you'll probably segue into is the the Philly Eagles receiver and his choice of words. But you can take that from there, Mark. Uh, well, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, I know we wanted to, uh, you know, we wanted to give, uh, you know, all our guys a chance to a chance to react. Um, I know Jay Jay hit me yesterday specifically to to make sure that we at least addressed it on some level. Um, and and I'll start by saying, um, you know, I I'm sure I, I I know for a fact each one of us could say a lot on this. And I know personally I could probably go on for a whole two hours about this. But I will say, first and foremost, Riley Cooper is a full-on idiot. And I say that about I say that about anybody who does something without knowledge of who they are, who's around them, and, and, and the implications of what they're doing given their environment. 
I I could I could take this thing to I could take this to race and 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 have a full on race discussion about this, but I I won't even take it there myself. I will just say that Riley Cooper, like anyone else who says something stupid in front of a camera where people know them, where where there's someone who is known by 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 the American public, and 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 I listen. I watched the video for the first time yesterday just to get a sense, just so I knew what I was talking about. And after he said what he said, even the people around him knew that he had done something stupid. I mean, even the people around him were saying, "Yo, what? Like, what is wrong with you? There's a camp. Do you not see this camera in front of you? You're an you're an NFL player." That was the reactions I saw from the people around him, and the fact that he himself didn't know better to understand that um, he's an idiot. And I and I could again I could go into more detail about why he's why he's an idiot. But I will say I, I commend you know the Eagles for doing the best they can with the situation. I commend them for excusing him from activities. From what I've been hearing on ESPN this week. I haven't heard anybody that thinks that he's he's going to have a job with the Eagles or in the NFL in, in this upcoming season. I haven't heard one person that says that he will be employed. Um, everyone thinks he's probably done, but I commend the Eagles for taking the necessary precautions for something like this because because I was telling Tommy yesterday it boils down to what kind what how are you. Because listen, this video is viral. Kids know about it. Every anyone who knows the Eagles or watches football or, or TV knows what Riley Cooper said, and that counts for kids. So if you're going to keep Riley Cooper on your team, what kind of message are you sending to young black kids, to young white kids? Um, the, the the message wouldn't be good at this point, at least. I like the fact that he's doing the counseling. You know, apparently he's you know going about the counseling and doing whatever he it is he has to do personally. But, um, again, I could go a lot more into that, but I, I'll just boil it down to Riley Cooper's an idiot. So anybody else can take it from there. Um, so I can, I could, I could as well want to talk about this all day. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say a few, uh, just a few things. Um, for me, it's, it's the same thing. I don't, I, I, as easy as it is to make it about race, and as easy as it is to say, "Dog, you chose the you're in the wrong profession to be just be throwing out the n word all willy nilly." Um, <laughs> it, it's just it, he has he has co-workers that are African American on a sport. He's a professional athlete. He plays a sport as a profession. Your co-workers are African-American. First of all, what he said, it wasn't, it wasn't a slip-up. He didn't, he didn't say that. (laughs) It wasn't, that was, he said it before, and that's when, Mm -hmm. that's how I feel. I feel like he said that before, and that was no slip-up. He said that with conviction. He said that like he meant that. He meant that. He wasn't sorry, he wasn't sorry about, about the fact that he said it. He was sorry because he got caught. And right. that's happened to all types of athletes, regardless of race, regardless of anything, anything. Okay? NBA players, they could, they could, you know, guys have been fined for, for a gay slur now. Right. So, 
and, and and that's just something that's just coming along. This is something that has been discussed and been going over, and 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 we as a as a society know that it's 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 not something that you just want to throw around. And he just and then that's what he did. So I personally think he'll never be in football again. Do I think that's okay? Wow. No, I don't think it's okay. I don't think anybody should 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 lose their job because of 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 a mistake um that is not, you know, illegal. Okay? So yeah. I I he made it, it was it was a mistake. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say it was a mistake. But when you represent an organization like the Philadelphia Eagles, this is football in America. This is not this is this is not hockey. This isn't baseball even. This is American football. This is America's sport. And you do something as disrespectful as that, you're done, bro. That's it. They're like it, that, it's it's really not that it's not that complicated. You're done because no right. organization wants a guy like that representing their brand. The Philadelphia Eagles. Right. You're in Philly. You're not. You're in right. Philly. Are you? Are you serious? Are you're in Philly? He. You're in Philadelphia. And that's the stuff you want to say, and you think the Eagles are gonna let that fly? They. N- nobody. Nobody has the money to let that fly. Right. Nobody wants that type of uproar. That that they're saying this guy is worth letting that fly. Right. He messed up his own career because he was a drunk idiot who got mad about something that he probably didn't have to get mad about and said something and his true character probably came out right in that instant. Right. And and <laughs> there's 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 no getting around the fact that you are a professional athlete. You have a responsibility to your organization. You have a responsibility to your teammates. You have a responsibility to your coaches to uphold the image of the organization. If you fail to do so, you lose your job. Plain and simple. That's it. it it's not even that. And that's my and that's my non-racial approach to the whole situation. <laughs> That's yeah. that's me making yeah. it. That's just me making it about him and his job. That's not even me making it a race thing. Yeah. Okay. So so like it's it's really like I I've, I've seen people that are that that are like mostly everyone is 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 on board with the fact that he messed up and and he probably shouldn't have his job. And then there's some people on the other side that are, that are saying things like you know it's just it's just words it's just this it's just that. Well, realistically, he's still getting the good end of the deal because he got a fine. We don't know how much it was. He he got a fine, and now he's in counseling. And they haven't actually released him yet. So he's he's probably doing – this is probably best-case scenario for him right now. And people are complaining yeah, about him going to counseling. It's, it's crazy. Like, yo, he should be in counseling. He shouldn't be in counseling right. for, for sensitivity. He should be in counseling because he obviously has some anger issues to go along with the drinking and all the other stuff and that type of things come out. And he's an idiot on top of it all. So that really makes it worse. So it's just, it's very, very unfortunate, man, that we're not, that we're not, that we're not at a, at a point as, 
as professionals and as people that we can just control ourselves. Yeah. He could have walked away from that. He could have avoided all of this. If he could do it again, I'm positive he would walk away from that. But you got to live with the consequences for your actions, bro. And and <laughs> and, and it's as simple as that. That's well said. That's well said. Uh, Tommy and Lawrence, uh, we still need both of you to sound off. Your thoughts on Riley Cooper? Yeah, I'm going to go real quick. And Actually, I don't even know how long it's going to take me because for me, this is such a... The issue, it has to be, it is about race, guys. I mean, it's, I've grown up with black kids that use the word, white kids that use the word, Spanish kids that use the word. You know, the kid, Riley Cooper is an idiot because he got caught. And is he sorry that he got caught? That's the real issue for me. I mean, the problem is, you know, I got to go back to the way I was brought up. You know, I go, I'm, I come from a house where if I even mentioned the N-word to my father, my dad would flip out. That's the type of black dude my dad is. He doesn't stand for the word, no, you know, what's so happy. There's, there's no way, there's no way he's tolerating that word. That's the type of household I come from. And it, it, the word's used because from the black community, we use that word. So it gives, it gives credence to everyone else to use that word. It's our own fault. So... When somebody else says it, they really think it's okay to say it because we use the word. And, you know, it, it's, it, it, I feel, I almost feel it's strongly about the, if Riley Cooper is going to get fined for getting caught on a video for it, a black athlete should get fined and, and, you know, sensitivity training if he's caught on using the word. Because the word is that degrading to some people, and it hits home for me because, you know, my, like I said, my father, so that's firsthand for me. So, it, it, it should be it should be universal. It, that word is is a degrading word, and it should not be used. I mean, I've used it from time to time, joking around. You know how it's it's a generational thing, but it's not a word that should be okay. And you know, I have to make it. it it's it's all races included. I, it, you have to make it about race because that's where it, what it comes down to. It shouldn't be a divide, but it shouldn't you know, and it shouldn't be combating ignorance with ignorance. But, you know, everybody should be educated on it if if, if it's if it's a word that's thrown around. You know what I mean? That's that's my standpoint. I mean I don't that that's my if y'all agree, I mean how do y'all feel about what I just said? I, I agree with you, Tommy, and that's why that's why my argument that's why my argument I, I, I'm not going from the race perspective because that word doesn't do anything to me anymore. Like it never has. It, it's 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 a word that our ancestors were called that 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 degraded them as people and it was a it was a it was it was meant to hurt them and it did hurt them the way i flip it is that you're not going to hurt me with that cuz that's not what i am period you're not going to i'm not going to allow you to satisfaction to hurt me with that word so when it comes to riley cooper I'm not the one, I'm not one of the people that are highly offended because I know what the word means. I know that's not me. Period. Period. I get yeah, angry for that, my ancestors that were called that word yeah. and that were hurt by it. I get angry for them. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I don't get angry for me. I'm the same exact way. So, if I showed that video to my dad, 
my father would would lose his mind. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the type of things like I, I'm around. Like that's the things I've always been around. I'm okay with like me. I, you know, it, it's just like you said. I shrug it off. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's for for this for uh, for our older generation of of, of African Americans, it's gonna have to become a. We're going to have to get to a point as a people where we stop letting that thing get to us. I, I, I honestly do. We can be, we should be angry for, for, for the stuff that happened in the past to our people. But it's only going to keep hindering us if we allow it to. When are we going to get the, the, the toughness to say, yo, Okay, what is that? It, 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 that might do something for you, but that does nothing for me because I know I'm not that. That is not who I stand for. That's not who my people are. Like that that and that's it. And that's it. So, it's that like I said for me, like we can go, we can go, we can have a whole segment about this. Um I wanted to keep it to the Riley Cooper thing just cuz he represents the Eagles, a big-time business in this country. You're, you represent a business. You represent a brand. You have to uphold to that brand. You have to keep the integrity of that brand. One person that doesn't do it has to go. That's it. He has to get He has to get released. First of all, and, and we haven't even talked about the locker room dynamic, which I, I've heard on SportsCenter so much that I didn't want to talk about, but it's true. Like, there's probably people in that locker room that don't want any parts of, of, of Riley Cooper. Right. And and you can't have that in an, on a team. You can't have that right. on, a, on, a, on a professional sports team especially because this is where right. you're playing against the best of the best. So if there's any right. friction, it's not going to work. So, I, I, I mean, I won't get – I want Lawrence to, to give his opinion on it. Um, so it is a very unfortunate situation. And whenever it comes up, we kind of, you know, have to bring back this talk. I, I certainly agree with Jay where I feel like we have to stop letting it, you know, be like, Oh my gosh, he said that in like, in, in like, I, I mean, I understand why that happens. I, I completely understand. It and I'm not downplaying that whatsoever, but my thoughts in terms of Riley Cooper may be a little bit funnier than everybody else's. I, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I think I agree with Martin most of all just in saying that he's an absolute idiot. So I think I think him getting what he deserved is them allowing him to continue to play football because I know there's some big hitting cornerbacks like guys like Richard Sherman in Seattle that will really <laughs> love Riley Cooper to be coming across the middle on on a cross route and, and light him up. And light him up. I think you let street justice get him back to him. I mean, realistically, and and to begin with, would if if Riley Cooper was any sort of smart, he would have realized that he really can't say anything like that because the guy responsible for putting the hand the ball in his hands is African American. The guy, the guy who is his quarterback, he's taking snaps under center, is African American. He's gonna get looked off. He's going to not get balls thrown at him. When he does, he's going to get balls thrown at him in positions to where he's going to get lit up. 
He's gonna get lit up. Let him let Mike Vick audible. Give him a hot route. Do some short route and put him and put him in the line of fire. Some of these linebackers, the Lance Briggs type guy coming at him. I think that's justice. I don't think he should lose his job. I think he's an idiot. He said something really dumb. And he apologized for it, though it really means nothing, because realistically he's apologizing for getting caught. He's not apologizing for what he said. He's not saying, like, I'm. listen, this is not Riley Cooper's first time saying the N-word. I, no, I need everybody not. to know that. It wasn't Paula Dean's first time saying the N-word. It's none of these. Nope. Like, when they get caught saying it, that, that means that they're very comfortable saying it. That they're like, oh, shoot, I forgot I was in public. I can't. I only say right. this at the crib. It wasn't Kramer's right. first time saying the N-word up on stage. That was his first time saying it on stage, maybe. But, like, I mean, Riley Cooper may have may, be, may have grown up in a culture to where, you know, saying things like that and, and kind of have an older, you know, thought of, of a way of living, it was acceptable. Maybe his parents were raised him that way to, you know, think less of other people. I, I, I mean, I feel like maybe that's digging too deep into it. Maybe he was just really mad and really drunk and really dumb. But at the same time, I, I mean, I don't think I don't think you lose your job over saying just a word. You know, I I think that that that's us giving that word power, and we should take the power away from that word. Because then it's like you know someone can say it that's not black, and I can look at it and be like, yeah, you really thought that hurt me. You really thought that got me, and just laugh it off. And I I really would like to see Riley Cooper on Sports Center top ten plays. I mean, I don't know if they actually play Seattle or not. But I know a guy like Richard Sherman, and I know how he thinks, and, and I know that he doesn't care about much, and I know how hard he hits. And I know if he caught Riley Cooper coming across the middle, it would be all sorts of trouble. Turn your lights down low. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much my take on it. I mean, really dumb, really dumb decision. I think that he should have certainly been more aware of his environment and, and, and his surroundings and known, you know, I'm 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 a public figure. I can't say certain things. I can't do certain things. I, I and I mean he didn't do that obviously, so he's very dumb for not doing that. And I just think let street justice happen to him. Let someone catch him. Let someone catch him. I know. <laughs> I, think, I know. I don't even think that's just in training idea. camp. I know even just in oh, training yeah. camp. Some of those some of those eagles. You know, I mean, if he's going to apologize to the team and they're going to like, you know, like be like, you know what, Riley, you made a mistake. Like, we'll we'll be okay with you. I know a few of them going to want to get at least one hidden before they're like, all right. I think a lot of them are going to want to get at least one clean lick off of them and then be like, all right, now you can (laughs) watch your mouth. (laughs) <laughs> that's 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 well said though on all fronts. I think I think for the most part, you know, we all agree. Um, you know, obviously a stupid decision, and obviously, uh, you know, I think we all agree that it's it's being taken the way that it should be, at least for right now. And I, I think we all agree. You know, whether we all said it or not. Um, in fact, I may have been the only person who didn't say it, but we but we all agree on the fact that he shouldn't have to. His career shouldn't be over. For, for making a mistake. I mean, people mistakes happen, um, this one. But like I said before, I stick by it. I commend the Eagles and the NFL for taking it as seriously as it needs to be because, again, playing off of Jay's argument, you're representing the NFL, the shield, the almighty shield that they talk about, which kids watch, teenagers watch, and, and just about every kid in America right now knows that Riley Cooper said the N-word on, on video. 
And so anyone that's associated with Riley Cooper in terms of a professional team is you're you're instantly sending a message to kids saying, you know, I mean, you, you go through the counseling, whatever it needs to take, but you're initially saying, you know, we're forgiving him. It's not saying we're, we you know, we, we condone what he said. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. But it does create a risk signing someone, like keeping him on your team right now. I mean, what is what is that? Every It's a nonverbal message. I mean, I studied communications in college. It, it, there's such thing as nonverbal messages. And you send a message by signing a guy who said the N-word on video two weeks ago. That sends a message. But it could be a message of repentance, of forgiveness, whatever. But essentially, kids who are watching, you know, there there are kids, and I'll say this, I'll say this too, there are people, there are white guys in the NFL that say the N-word that just don't get caught. And that's what we've all been saying. I mean, clearly he said it before. He said it on that video as if he has said it many times before. Just this time he got caught. There are guy there are people who say that word that we just that we don't know that we may never know because they're smart enough to not say it on YouTube. Um but, you know, again, it's 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 a delicate situation and and I'm 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 actually glad that we got a chance to uh get everyone's take on it. It was the biggest story in the NFL obviously this week and um again we, we we're gonna have this NFL segment going um all through the NFL season. So um We'll get into each division um, starting this week, you know, with the NFC East, the big story from the Eagles, obviously. But we'll get into um, the other divisions in the coming weeks. Um, and, you know, Tommy will fill us in on what he's hearing from training camp. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll open up discussion for, you know, this upcoming NFL season, which I am personally very much looking forward to. Uh, full disclosure, last season's fantasy football was my first fantasy season. And um, I am officially hooked. I know I know exactly what the hype is all about, and I'm, I'm totally into fantasy football. And then another thing, I Tommy is our football guy. You know, I'm I'm a basketball guy. I, I'll be the first to say it. I know the ins and outs of basketball. I study it. I I, I critique it. I watch it, and I love it. And and I didn't say it before, but you know, Tom Tommy is our um, highly experienced, highly knowledgeable football guy. And um, you know. We are, you know, we we've got we've got a lot of you know sports knowledge on here, so we're looking to, you know, embark on that and embellish that on our show from here on out. Um, so that's good stuff. If uh, if we can wrap up, gentlemen, unless there are final thoughts, we've got to go to our first commercial here. Adrian Peterson said he's breaking twenty five hundred yards this season. We'll probably talk about that next week. <laughs> we'll probably talk about AP next week. Um, yeah, but this is the collective. We're going to commercial. We'll be back to talk music. Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites, For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Boom, 107. 
fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing at the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. of our bumper, you already know what time it is. Um, our weekly segment, What We Hear, loosely based on our basketball, our sorry, our music blog. I got my blogs mixed up. Our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com. Um, real quick reference, actually, um, to Tommy's football blog. I, I knew I was forgetting something to plug Tommy's football blog where you can find his his thoughts and reactions to, uh, to well, news I, in, in, in football. Scoopandscore.blogspot.com. Tommy Hill running that thing. Um, but, again, back to our – it's our What We Hear segment. You know what I'm saying? This is what we hear. This is what we're listening to. This is the part of the show when we just educate, when we try to give y'all some some fresh music to listen to. Um, we never let you down. Anyone who has been listening, um, who's had a chance to listen, we definitely don't ever let you down. Um, again, based on our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, and you can find all the songs that we mentioned from week to week on the collectiveradio.blogspot.com. And if you check out any of our posts on our show blog, um, every What We Hear segment is filled with all kinds of funky, smooth music to listen to. If you just take time to go to one, just one of our segments on our show blog and go through each song, you will go through a a a large uh uh, just a large, uh, a lot of content. Just a, just a lot of good music content for you to listen to. Um, a, a large variety of stuff, different genres, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, it's always good each week. Um, Tommy, why don't you start us off for the week? Tell us what you're hearing. What have you been listening to this week? Uh, I've been back in the, the radio for a little bit. You know, I mean, you guys are all gonna 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 clown on me for this one, but um, this. I didn't even know this song was by Miley Cyrus. The song, um, We Can't Stop. <laughs> Can you see me and me down that life? <laughs> you know, I didn't even know it was her, man. But every time I kept in, I'm like, this song is kind of catchy. I like it. And then I, I shazammed it, and it comes up Miley Cyrus. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> but um, that's it. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different tune for me, but, you know, it's catchy, and I like it. But, um, I think Mike Will made that beat too. Mike Will? Yeah, like it's either it's either it, it's I'm 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 actually a hundred percent sure that Mike Will made that beat. Yeah, the beat's tough, man. <laughs> which is crazy. Which is so crazy. Which is so crazy. Which is very crazy. But yeah, Mike Will made that beat, man. That's wild. <laughs> That's funny, man. <laughs> but um. So you still get the, some uh, street cred for that, Tommy. 
Right, right. You yeah. still get some street cred for that since Mike Will made it, so you are. <laughs> but um, yeah, I got a um. It was actually a week ago, Friday. I got a chance to go check out a couple buddy uh, friends of mine, close friends of mine. They have a nonprofit organization called Stand Out in the Crowd, and um, you know they promote positive role models and artists for the community, and like they put on a showcase. And you know, I, I was taken back, man. It was it was it was very good. It was all uplifting. There was there was rap. There was it was rock. It was you know it was it was uh, up, uh hip music. You know, it was funk. It was you know people just just real passionate young artists. And a couple of guys, a couple of names, Young Goldie, uh, a girl named Melissa Gomez, uh, a guy named Zay Tate, Chris Hurd, guy with very good with the vocals. You know, this guy can can sing his rear end off. A chick named Janet Mendez who sings and plays the guitar. And, you know, she just has a voice that will just, you know, it, it just catches you. It gives you goosebumps, man, like for real. And, you know, it, it was a very good concert. And, you know, and I got to get to my, um, my my close friend, Sean Caffrey. He has the, uh, it's a little, it's his group. It, it's him. He's the main artist, but he has other guys who works on his music with him. But he's the main artist. It's called The Heart and Soul. And the single is called "It's About Time," and it's it's he he has a lot of I've known Sean since about eighth grade, and he's a, he's a hip hop influence, but his music has transitioned to more of a uh, it's like a heavy metal, it's not heavy metal, but it, it's hard to describe, man. But it's it, it's metal, but it's uplifting uplifting metal if if that even that's even a genre and yeah he performed he plays the guitar and he he sings and it, it was a it, the song the single is called it's about time and you can check out all their music on uh i'm giving them a plug i hope they listen to one at least one of them you know what i mean uh www.standoutonthecrowd.org and you can check these artists out these they're about they are about the right things, and they have quality music. So my single for this week is, is Heart and Soul. It's About Time by my good friend, Sean Caffey. Good stuff, good stuff. That is that is the sheer beauty of this what we hear thing that we do uh, because we're, we <laughs> Tommy started this off with Miley Cyrus, and who knows where we're going to end up. So, uh, again, going to our show blog, thecollectiveradio.blogspot.com, you will see a, a wide range of uh, – of of songs and genres, um, but that's good stuff there as always. Um, well, I, I gotta um, give a shout out to to um, I gotta give one more shout out to my boy Dwayne Anthony. I didn't even know if I mentioned it. He's the him, Dwayne Anthony and uh, Dwayne Amos and Sean Caffrey. They're the co-founders of this of this nonprofit. So I gotta get a shout out to both of them. My bad. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I'll I'll go on deck. I'll batter up and go next. Um, uh, this week I've had some good um. I, I had a, a, a great um, surprise this week. The homie Spitta is back on the market. He's back on the airwaves. Um, I actually put up the new song up on our music blog when it dropped earlier this week. Um, Currency, the hot Spitta for anyone who needs verification. Uh, Jet Life, Next Life, all that. Yeah, about that life. Um, Currency is probably one of my, and I always make the distinction between the best and my favorite. Um, I don't think Currency is one of the better rappers, but he's definitely one of my favorite, and he makes some of my favorite rap music. Um, and if you know anything about Currency, um, you should know why. Um, he dropped a song called Ox this week, um, produced by Cardo, who's a who's a, uh, a very relevant producer. 
um, six million dollar plan. Six, six million dollar man with plans to expand. Uh, my man Spitta is back at it, back on the horn, and um, it, the song is everything that embodies the greatness of currency. No hook, one verse, um, straight braggadocio, just all, <laughs> just just all slick talk, car talk, money talk. Um, but it's 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 he's highly unconventional. Um, you know, we uh, say you know it's car talking and, and women talking stuff, but he does it in a way. Um, that can only be understood if you are affiliated with this jet life thing. And um, so Currency dropped something new this week, which I've been going back to, the Ox record, which is really cool, really smooth. Um, I got put on by uh, my buddy Ryan Golas over at Hip Hop 100 um, to a fella out of Maryland. And uh, shout out to Ryan, by the way, who's probably listening to our podcast Um he put me on to a Maryland artist. Uh, Ryan himself is from Maryland, and the gentleman's name is Phil Ade, and I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, but uh, he just dropped a new mixtape called Rose, um, which stands for Result of Society's Evils. And um, this kid is really interesting. Um, I'm actually reviewing his tape for Hip Hop 100 site, um, and it's a, it's a very interesting feel. Um, I'll point, point out one song called Underachiever, which I listened to, and actually um, I was playing for somebody, and they thought it was Kid Cudi, because he actually sounds very much like Kid Cudi on the song. Um, it's it, Every song, he kind of sounds different, though. I, I think that's what I'm liking about him, is that um, his sound, his production, his sound, his sound production-wise um, kind of varies, and in terms of his delivery and his own um, sound in terms of his vocals, his rapping. Um, you can't really put a label on him, and I kind of like guys like that. Um, he kind of does have a cutty aspect to him like that because he's, he is a rapper, um, but this Underachiever song, it's kind of it's kind of somber. Um, the message itself is, is kind of it's kind of down and out. It's, it's very cutty. It sounds like cutty. The, the message is very cutty. It's a six-and-a-half-minute song, but it's good all the way throughout, um, and the, the mixtape itself rose. Um, I've really been enjoying. I love the sound of it. I think he's got a good message, and I think he he hits it on all fronts. He's able to do some different things that I think are pretty cool. He's got Bun B on there doing some cool Houston stuff. So um, I think he's got that versatility that I really look for in uh, in new artists. And I think he's relatively new, but he's definitely new to me because I like I said, I just got put on to him. So Phil a day song underachievers, and lastly. Um, I put this one up on our music blog again, also what we hear dot blogspot dot com. Um, but the uh, uh, three gentlemen who I consider to be modern day musical geniuses recently collaborated. Um, Terrace Martin, who I've been on record as saying is the modern day Quincy Jones. If you don't know who Quincy Jones is, you've got you've got you, you've got you've got a big problem off bat. Um, but he is the modern day Quincy Jones, in my opinion. Um, he's a musician artist, jazz, rap, jazz, soul kind of guy, um, brings just brings an incredible um, soul to music, and, and I fear that most people don't even know about him. But Terrace Martin, um, a fellow by the name of James Fontelroy, um, who is pretty widely known, he was a credited co-writer on Justin Timberlake's 2020 Experience album, um, and Robert Glasper, who's a Grammy Award-winning jazz pianist, and his Black Radio album was in our top five of uh, top R&B albums of last year. Um, so these three gentlemen came together for a song. It's actually Terrace Martin's song for an album that he's dropping on August 13th called Three Chord Fold. And the song is called No Wrong, No Right. Um, it's, it's 
really one of the cooler records I've heard recently. Um, the fact that these three guys even came together, you uh, if you know anything about the three guys, I mean, you know that the song is good before even listening to it, but their sounds blend together really well. Um, it's got the jazz saxophone-type feel from Terrace Martin. You've got Fonto Roy's records on top of it, and Robert Glasper's instrumentation is kind of just steady throughout. I mean, if you know these guys, you hear their influences. Um, they dropped a video as well, which is what I put up on our music blog. Um, really cool song. It's got hip-hop. It's got R&B. It's got jazz. A lot of different influences. So um, definitely a worthwhile listen. Everyone should check that out. Um, so, yeah, that's what I got. Some currency, uh, Phil Day and uh, Terrace Martin, Fonto Roy, and and Robert Glasper. So, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're going all over the map with this one. Uh, Jay, why don't you uh, why don't you hit us off next? What have you been hearing this week, big homie? Bless the people. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Mad Ratchet, um, the ASAP <laughs> Ferg Shaba Ranks joint. I've been knocking at the, the last Shabba two. Uh, Shaba Shabba Ranks, like I'm Sha Shaba Ranks. Oh, that's, that's the turn up. <laughs> That's the turn up. Yo, he's a bad rapper. ASAP Rocky also has a bad verse on that joint, and I'll be the first person to say that. But that doesn't mean the song doesn't go. That doesn't mean that the song doesn't go. It's a perfect example. As I've been saying on this show from week one, there is a little place in hip-hop for everyone, including people that can't really rap but can put good songs together. And I listen to it, so whatever you can say what you want, but I like I, I, I don't know why I like it, yo. I like it, man. It's it's just it's the turn up. It's it's there. He's not a good rapper. I do not think that ASAP <laughs> Ferg is a good rapper, yo. I'll be I will I will say it to anyone, but his music is that trap is the, is in the trap and and it's that turn up so like I listen so I listen to it and, it and and I listen to it all week I watched the video which I think is hilarious the Jamaican guy that they have dancing in the video kills me yo he kills me <laughs> he kills me dog it is too good it's too good it is too good so um I've been listening to that joint and then yo all right I got messed up this week, yo. I was I was listening to Pandora at at work and all of a sudden I'm listening to Marvin Gaye radio, so I'm trying to look for like some older stuff. And then So for real Candy Rain came on <laughs> on the what? show. On <laughs> the show yo, when I tell you I was at work, yo son, I was singing, dog. I was <laughs> singing i was back in the church choir dog i was singing that joint it was it yo i was so hyped because yo that was 90s r&b was very good man it was very very good sometimes like overlooked and underrated but yet very 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 good and not necessarily that they had great great artists in the 90s as far as as far as r&b is concerned but they had very very good songs they still knew what they were doing and it, that song came on, yo, and I was getting it. Yo, when me and Lawrence were younger, yo, we used to be, my sisters used to have us in the living room, like, really singing and performing that. <laughs> I, was like, 
I'm not even playing around. <laughs> I still I still know every single word to that song. And that's real. Huh. It, it's just it's it's just, it's mad good, man. It's very very good. It it was I don't know. I I don't know what to say. I just like the song. It reminds me of when I was a kid and when when music was very very fun for me, and it still is fun. But when you were younger, it was it was a lot of fun, and that's yeah. why a lot of us fell in love with it. It wasn't we fell in love with it when we got to college or or high school. We fell in love with it when we was younger. And that was that was one of those R and B songs that was just fun and it was a good song and I had fun with it when I was younger. And I said, Yo, Molly, I was killing it, Molly. Yo, Diddy, <laughs> yo, if Diddy would have saw me, son, he probably would have signed me on the spot, D. I'm not gonna lie. To you. <laughs> so <laughs> so ASAP Ferg, Shava Ranks, the turn up and uh, a little not old school necessarily, but just some just some classic R&B, in my opinion, with the soul for real candy rain. That was my jam, and it's still my jam, and I'm going to always <laughs> jam to that joint. You know what I'm saying? I so, did. yeah, that's what I that's what I got for the week, man. Good stuff, good stuff. Lawrence, round us out. Round us out, big homie. What you got? Hard, hard, hard. I got you. I got you. I got us. Um, <laughs> um, so... So off bat, right? I, I've been listening. I mean, I kind of end up just, I, I listen to music all day, every day. That's kind of just what I do. And it's probably, it ends up being more old than new. I, I try to, you know, incorporate as much new into the old as possible or older, not even necessarily old, but older. So I'll start with the one new joint. Um, it actually dropped, I guess, about two weeks ago, but he officially put out the video for it uh, yesterday. But, um, Big Sean's fire track. I'm really digging it, yo. I'm really digging it. And and at first listen, I wasn't necessarily. I mean, I, I do. I have like the two new Sean tracks that have come out that I believe will both be on Hall of Fame between that and the and the Beware song. I believe I talked about, we talked about Beware collectively a, a few weeks ago when it first dropped. That's the song with him and uh, Janae Aiku, who I'm a big fan of. But um, the fire track is really, really cool, yo. I think... I think it's definitely envelope pushing. It's it's really different. It's it's it's. I I don't know what it is about it. <laughs> to be honest and honest, I don't know. Like I mean, he definitely has some strong verses. He has some song. He has some strong flows, as Big Sean always does. I mean, that's kind of what got him on. He just has you know a whole bunch of different flows and this like real bubbly personality that comes out in these flows. But on fire, he kind of. I, I he he almost like just chills out a little bit. It reminds me of his song Memories a little bit, to where he like kind of chills mm. out, but like still still eats. You know, he still eats on fire, and and I, I really enjoy it. I it made me look forward to the Hall of Fame album that's coming out soon. Um, that much more, so you should check that out. The video, strangely, it isn't featuring Big Sean at all. As a matter of fact, there's a picture of Big Sean in the background of the video, but that's it. And the whole rest of the video is a bunch of, like, fire, a bunch of literal fire, like pyrotechnics going on. And Miley Cyrus just in a bunch of different outfits just kind of walking around and modeling to an extent, which kind of had me confused at first. But I get it. I, I understand what Big Sean's doing. I mean, that's going to that's gonna get his video and his song heard in places that it wouldn't get heard, you know, if it was just him in front of a camera rapping like like most rappers typically do so so hats off to him i think 
I think what Jay-Z and Kanye and, and Cole did this summer in terms of, like, different types of marketing schemes, a lot of people are catching on to and, you know, really trying to come up with their own thing. Is Even if it's as dumb as DJ Khaled going on MTV and proposing to Nicki Minaj, like, come on, son. But, I mean, people are, people are really gravitating toward that. But back to the music, Big Sean Fire, real cool track. Also, so I said I, I kind of been listening to everything and I, I kind of did like a, a summer recap and, you know, went back and listened to, you know, all the stuff that we were really into this summer, whether it's, you know, Magna Carta or the Jesus or Born Center. And um, I, I am in a group chat. If if you guys have listened the past few weeks, you've heard our, our guy Chavis on, who is um, quite the personality, but he, he, um, he, Martin, and I have a group chat going uh, with my other buddy, Elijah, from back home, uh, 201 Stand Up, 973, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> and we've, we've been talking about um, just music, just a bunch of random stuff. And I came to an epiphany of sorts this weekend, and my epiphany has been that Black Skinhead off of Kanye's Jesus is one of the best songs this year. And, and I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stick to it. Everybody's not going to agree with that. And I, I totally understand why, because it, it really is just really weird. And it's really, it's just, it's strange, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It's strange, but it is so damn good. Like <laughs> it is so, it is such a good song. Like through and through, it is as thorough a track I've heard this year as any other. I think it, it's been my favorite off of Jesus as, for about at least a month. I mean, I kind of bounced back and forth from songs when it first dropped, and that's kind of what everyone does. You know, they they have a favorite for a few days off of, like, a new album. Like, I, I really enjoyed Blood on the Leaves for a while. You know, I, I really enjoyed New Slaves still. I, I really enjoyed a bunch of different songs. But Black Skinhead has been that one to really, really, really stick with me and really resonate. It's a song in which Kanye does, I I think apart from New Slaves, his best rapping on Jesus, and it it's not not your prototypical rap song. It doesn't sound like it by any means, so you kind of don't expect it. But he, you know, he says something in that song, and in the production, I mean, he's got Daft Punk working with him on the record, and he's got a whole lo- another you know limousine full of producers realistically i mean he's got like 12 guys on every single song that get that got some sort of production cred but i just think it's so thorough man i think it's i think it's undeniably good i think it'll be a song that you know is going to stick with us it's going to stick with us and i think people will see you know over time black skinhead isn't going to go anywhere it isn't going to go anywhere i mean it kind of almost sounds like the jock jam song you know the it kind of almost sounds like that. I guarantee you they start playing that joint in arenas, yo. I promise you. They're like That's going to be one of those tracks that, like, we're not going to be able to get away from. And it's for good reason for once. So, I mean, check it out. I, I'm sure most of our listeners have heard it after hearing us talk about Yeezus for the last two months, realistically. But, I mean, check it out. Check that out. Check um check Big Sean's new song Fire Out. I, I think those are two really, really, really good solid songs. So that that's what I've been hearing particularly this week. You know what I'm saying? Plenty of stuff plenty of stuff to refer back to. Plenty of plenty of music for y'all to to to, to sink in and um right. a lot of in different vibes. I right. I, uh, I will say it's it's definitely a pleasure for me personally when I do 
when I put up these songs that we mentioned and what we hear on our show blog. It's always a treat for me personally, um, particularly the weeks when we have songs from uh, when Jay gives us some whispers action, when we get to, you know, we got some Miley Cyrus this week. So whenever I'm looking up the songs to put up on our show blog, it's always it's always a different experience week to week, but I I, I, I sure do appreciate it. Um, and then I encourage anyone who listens to new artists that we mention, new mixtapes or projects, you should definitely check them out because we don't just mention them to mention them. We mention them for a reason. Um, so plenty of stuff to uh, to refer to there from our What We Hear segment. Um, going into, we've got about 20 minutes left here. Um, I did want to get into um, kind of a, a brief discussion. I do. I want to get everybody's take on um, Earl Sweatshirt's recent comment this week. Um, uh, the LA Times is doing this in-depth feature with Odd Future um, for their uh, for for their publication, and um, Earl Sweatshirt spoke with them and did a, a pretty candid interview and a sit down. And uh, he had an interesting comment about the state of rap. And I just want to get each of your takes on this. And, uh, Lawrence, you know, you can start off because I know Earl is your guy, and I'm, and I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. But um, his comment was that he thinks rap is either on the cusp of dying or having a renaissance. Uh, he says it's one of the two. Either rap is on the cusp of dying or it's or about to experience a major renaissance. Uh, Lawrence, what do you think he's trying to get at with that? And, uh, you know, what, what what do you think the thought process is behind that statement? I mean, I think I think he's kind of speaking to, to something that, that we've all acknowledged, you know, and people inside the industry, fans, critics, everybody has kind of seen over the last decade at least, you know, it, it's been something, you know, the, there's been the running theme in a lot of a lot of rappers' music saying, you know, hip hop's dead, hip hop's dying and, and stuff like that. And I think that I think that what he's what he's trying to say is that, you know, hip hop as we as we've known it since its like roots, like what it grew up to be, is not what hip hop is today. It it really isn't. And there's some guys that really still look at hip hop that way and make music that way, but those aren't necessarily the guys that are getting all of the attention. It's 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 rap has become more than that. I, I think that I like his comment about the Renaissance because I, I I would have to say that, you know, even though hip hop isn't what it was, it that doesn't necessarily make it worse, you know, because there's guys that mm-hmm. are still rapping. But it's just like it's 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 all different now. I mean, Jay Z talks about new rules and stuff like that. Like that's that that stuff's applicable. I mean, it, it, there's a shift of sorts where people are more concerned about you know like the full on music of things rather than just the rapping. And I think that that's what a lot of rappers are like having to to aim themselves to. Like I mean, I feel like back in the day, more often if you, if you had a sick verse. Like, no matter what you put it on, you know, it, it was going to get heard. But nowadays, you know, you have to, it, it has to be packaged right. And especially us being, like, full on in the digital era where anybody can get their voice heard, there's just a flooding, yeah. which is why people can, I, I understand why people can say that is dead because there's just so much. And there's so many people that yeah. are becoming successful off of not doing the things that people, that, that their predecessors have done. You know, they're not, they're not doing it off of they're not making it and becoming successful off of necessarily being a good rapper they're doing it more off of you know being good promoters and good marketers and just you know knowing 
knowing the laws of attractiveness and how to like get people to gravitate towards you without necessarily being, you know, like great. So I, I, I do see it in that sense. But mm. at the same time, there are a lot of young guys and there are a lot of guys that are active and not young that are, you know, still doing this thing the way it's supposed to be done. And I, I can certainly appreciate that. And I think that, you know, with this shift, we're still getting good music and we're still getting good rap. We're like, I mean, I mean, I don't think that we've lost quality in terms of actual rapping. You may have to work a little bit harder to actually get a hold of it, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I mean, it's out there, it's here, and, yeah. and I mean, if Earl's gonna tell me that, you know, guys like J Cole, guys like J Electronica, guys like you know Kendrick Lamar aren't rapping and aren't doing what would, you know, make the legends and the predecessors of this thing proud, I think that he would be wrong. But, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I do think that what certain guys are doing certainly wouldn't, it, it isn't going to be, you know, necessarily appealing to guys that have been used to, you know, the, the 90s rap wave where, like, everything was real thorough, real gutter. It was all about the rap. You know, it was all about the lyricism. It was all about, like, what you can do on a microphone. And, and it's not so much that nowadays. But I, I still do think that there's a great deal of quality, A, and B, that, that there's a there's there's a there's an energy in hip hop right now that 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 can warrant, you know, the term a renaissance. It, it, I mean it's it's mm-hmm. it's bubbling, man. I think that there's a lot going on and, and we're constantly being pushed forward and there's constant progression that you know, there there's really still some good stuff and there's some stuff that I would argue is some of the best stuff ever. So I I, I hear what Earl's saying. I mean, I don't think it's dead though. I I I I feel like maybe he's using that metaphorically to say like, all right, man, what like what people are used to is completely dead, but hip hop is not dead. Hip hop is far from dead. Hip hop is alive and well, and and just changing every day. I think that that's what it really boils down to is that it's it's just changing, and and there's a big there's a big you know space for change. There's a lot of change happening, but at the same time, there's still quality. There's still very good music, and there's still people that are out here doing it for the art. You know. Yeah, I would have to agree. So you would say it's more so on the cusp of a renaissance than on the cusp of death. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, I mean, I like I said, I understand where the death metaphor comes in, but at the same time, I maybe I'm just more of an optimist than Harold Sweatshirt is, or more of you know positive thinking guy to where I like to see the glass half full rather than half empty, and and I I I want to focus on you know the guys that are really doing this stuff the way they're supposed to be doing it, and and really making quality good music. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh Tommy, what are your what are your thoughts on Earl's comments? You think uh you think you think rap is in trouble? Do you think it's uh it's on the on the on the brink of a renaissance? What do you think? I I completely agree with with what uh Elle was saying and I would take it to, you know, the what he said, his words, the that it's the death of what it was. You know, not necessarily necessarily saying the death of rap, just the death of what it was. And, you know, we're headed towards a renaissance because, you I mean, you can blame your boy Kanye West. You know, all these new sounds and, you know, all this madness, all this, <laughs> you know, all this 
how could all this insanity produce so much clarity? You know, your boy, your Jesus. So, I mean, that's where rap is headed for that, that, that sound that no one, you know, you're going to have to adapt to that sound to, to make music that's going to sell. You know, if you want to stick to the art of just rap, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make them the money that that's in the game because that the traditional rap will be dead. I mean, that's that's what I'm taking. I agree. It you know, it it makes perfect sense because I mean that that's the direction with all the the sound. I feel like that that is headed in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, rap rap will never die. I mean, that, I feel like that's that's a notion that people need to set aside. I mean, there's always going to be rap. It's just a matter of what it's going to look like and how it's going to change. It may not seem like rap, not the rap that, that started as rap, but it may be something different. And then people try to make generalizations between rap and hip-hop. You know, hip-hop is kind of the more broad genre um, and, you know, rap is, is just rap. I mean, when you say rap, you think a rapper, someone who's rapping. Um, hip-hop has kind of, I think, ventured out as a genre, and I feel like rap is, rap is basically the subset of hip-hop. But hip-hop itself, you know, you mentioned Kanye West. But he's the prime example right now because he's taking hip-hop to a place that, you know, we've never seen it before, that people don't want to see, that some people are uncomfortable with, that some people don't understand, and that some people... Are really uh, can really vibe with because they understand the progression of it, and uh, and they encourage the progression of it. And yeah, I mean, I think I think Lawrence made a, you know made some really good points. Um, uh, uh, most notably, the fact that there are still rappers out there, and uh, you know, I finally finished my review of Jesus after a month. Um, highly subjective. If you want to check that out on our music blog, but I, you know, one of the first things I said is that the first realization I came to when I listened to Jesus was that if you only like rap music, as in if rap is the only genre that you like, you don't like any other influences, but rap is just your thing, you should not like Jesus at all. In fact, you probably hate it because it's not, it's not your, it's not your rap album. It's, it, it, it's, it's way beyond rap, and. Um, but there's still rap there, and that's what I think is important about Lawrence's point is that even with a project as as controversial as Jesus, I mean, you've still got, he mentioned Black Skinheads, a song that is more rock in terms of its texture than rap, I think, but he's still rapping. And a song like New Slaves, where he still raps, you know, and there are other songs where he raps too, and, and the content of the raps is, has been debated, but, I mean, it's still rap. But it's it's you're kind of putting rap in a much different on a much different template than it has been before. Um, so yeah, I, I I see where kind of Earl is getting at. Where like maybe on one side, you know, and again, I don't think rap could ever die. But like Lawrence said, I understand the metaphor because it's kind of getting away from what we understood rap to be when it first started. But like Lawrence said, that doesn't necessarily make it bad, and that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't still people like, for instance, you know, Joey Badass. Or, or um, you know, push a T, or guy, you know, guys that are still committed to rapping, delivering, you know, full quality gritty verses. I mean, they're still out there. Um, and uh, like Lauren said, you, you know, um, guys like Pusha and Joey, obviously they're a little more mainstream. People know about them, but you know, there's people coming up um, that you may not know about that you may have to fish through. You may have to fish through the French Montanas and the Chief Keats to find, you know kind of the more traditional rap but uh but yeah i mean i 
I think it's, I just think it, I thought it was a good discussion to have. You know, um, Jay, uh, why don't you give us your thoughts on on Earl's comment as well? What do you, What do you think about where rap is headed? Um, this is every, our our world is is consistently in a in a state of transition where we're going from old to new, old to new, old to new, old to new, and everything everything and everyone. Is, is in that same transition. So what's different about hip hop? Um, it's changing. It's 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 in a transitional period. It's there's factors that go into it. Specifically, the mass appeal of of hip hop music now that like you can't make money and rap about things that only apply to a certain group of people. It has to be. Nowadays, it has to be something for everyone. The Wiz Khalifa route. He wants to make music for the most amount of people that he can. So, he's 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 straying away from just that rapping that we were used to at the beginning of his career. It happens. Music, music as a whole, hip hop, for sure is in a state of transition. So this is, it, 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 we are, it, we are in a, in a somewhat of a renaissance period for rap music. We're, we're transitioning from the older to the, to the more modern. Hip hop is now in a state as a whole that it is a, a entity that is a worldwide phenomenon now. It's not just in New York. It's, it's not just in LA. It's yeah. not just in major US cities. It's everywhere. So now rappers who have the opportunity to make money across the globe are going to make music that allows them to do that, which is okay. Fine. Do that. That's your choice. Some people that want to stick to what their fan group is now and what it always has been will make music that is for their fan group. Currency. That's what he does. He's not going to make a pop record. He's not going to sing. We're not gonna ever ever get that from currency. He's fine with the with the fan base that he has now. So the game has changed. We don't have we don't have as many rock hymns and gang stars and and and, yeah. and Wu Tangs anymore. We don't have all those people. We have ASAP Fergs, we have <laughs> we have Gucci Mains, we have Flockers, we have we have BOBs. We have, we have Kendrick Lamar. We have, we have a different set of rappers. We have because the game has changed. Everyone yeah. can eat now. So, yeah. of course it's in a state of transition. Of course it, it's not dead. It's as, it's as, as alive as it's ever been. In the 90s, you couldn't go to some some random European country and ask them who this person was or that person was. But now you can, and you can say, yo, do you know who Jay-Z is? And they're like, yeah, I know who Jay-Z is. I also know who Rick Ross is, and I also know who Action Bronson is, too. It's a, it's a different beast now. It, it, it's just yeah. a different beast now. So, like, yeah. of course it's changing. The influences on rap music and the and the influence that rap has had on other genres has changed tremendously. Rappers can now have number one hits. Rappers can now have number one albums. Of it's yes, Earl. Yes, 
bull. It ha it, it is changing. It's not dead. It's not dead. The art form is not dead. It's just evolved. Period. It it was gonna happen. It was gonna happen. Eventually. Like it like it was gonna happen. It's gonna continue to happen. Rap when we're in our forties and our children are listening to hip hop, it's gonna I can't imagine how that's how it's gonna sound. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine how it's gonna sound. That's how it should be though. That's how it should be. I mean I listen to the people that I feel like are rapping the way I like to hear rap music. Joe Schmo from Minnesota is listening to rappers that rap like he would like his rappers to rap. Um uh, Linka from Czechoslovakia is listening to rap music because she has a rapper that she likes the way that he raps. Everyone has different preferences. The game is evolving. The game is not the same. Yes, we it, it is not dead. It is simply in a transitional period, which it will continue to be in forever. So Earl, get used to it. Like, we can get mad about it. It's not going to change anything. Earl can go on a Twitter rant every day, and ASAP Ferg will still make Shaba ranks, and Flacco <laughs> still make, and Flacco make, um, um, hard in the paint, and 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 Bob will make some some pop, Avril Lavigne sounding soft stuff. Like it's just going to be. Like, everybody's going to still do what they do. So, I guess the main question is. Is hip hop dead? Because cause I I feel like to say that it's it's it is going through a transition is is a given. Ha, is it dead? No, it's certainly not dead. Is it where is it in the golden ages still? I don't I don't I don't know. Like I don't I don't know if we are ever gonna get rappers in the in a in a crop like we did with the early guys. But that doesn't mean it's dead. That just means it's been passed on and it's been changed for our time. That's it. <laughs> yeah, really, it doesn't mean it's dying it. either. It doesn't mean it's dying either. I yeah, mean, it, it doesn't mean it's, it's dying. It's, it's dying. It's not. It's not dying. It's just changing. That's the. That's the yeah. big difference that I feel like he's not playing on is that it's just changing. And I don't know if it has something to do with with the fact that he was in boarding school in Samoa for a few years and and he's back now and and Yo, just, you all this all this globalization is just messing him up. I don't know. That whole group should be the last camp in rap, possibly, to be talking about <laughs> hip-hop being dead or or is it in the transition. Do you think you would have been able to survive in the 90s, Earl? You think Earl, you think Tyler, the creator's weird ass would be able to be a rapper in 1990? No, no way. Yo, if he's in the rap game in 1990, he's probably he probably, he might get slapped around. Like it, like, it, like right, for real. like right. he wouldn't be able to survive on that market in that market at that right. time. He wouldn't be able to survive. So of course it's changing. Look at your friends and you. Look bro. at the guys you around guys you. Are the right. You guys are the change. You guys are the represent. Right. You guys are one of the staples of the change. When has hip hop been weird? When has hip hop ever been weird? It's never been weird. You guys have brought weird hip-hop to the forefront. What are you talking right. about, cuz? It's not dead. If it's dead, then it's your fault. If it's dead, then it's your fault. Because if, it's he, if he's insinuating that he's rapping or his camp is putting out music that, is, that follows the tradition of, of, of early hip-hop, 
He's a, he's, he's, where's he getting his meth from? Like for real, like where, where's he, where's, where's he get, where's he getting this stuff from? It's, it's, that, that was, I think that was a, he, he didn't think that one out fully. Because he should be the last person to question that. Like if Kendrick Lamar said that, I would be like, okay, yeah, I get it. If J. Cole said that, I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I can understand why you can say that. But like he, him and his whole camp are a representation of the transition. Right. Like y'all are eating yeah. right now. Like you like like you wouldn't be eating fifteen years ago, ten to twenty years ago. It's that simple. Right. So yeah. embrace it. Don't question it. Just embrace it because it's the reason why you have a job right now. Pretty much. That that's a good that's a really strong point and I think a the the strongest point to, to end on. Um and it'll be, I think it'll be interesting guys to see what Earl is coming with with this album that drops. Um, in about two weeks' time, um, you know, as much as hip hop's changed, August twentieth is the release date for his new album, Doris. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to observe that and see what he's doing, rapping wise, that he feels may be different um, from you know this genre that he thinks may be on the cusp of dying or a renaissance. So that should make that should make evaluating his album that much more interesting. Um, but good mm-hmm. stuff all around, as always. Um, so we're wrapping up for the day. Um, that is a wrap for The Collective for this afternoon. Make sure you check out our show blog, thecollectiveradio.blogspot.com, uh, with all the music featured that was mentioned in today's What We Hear segment. Um, check us out next Saturday, same time, same people, same ratchet, same energy, um, all that. You know what I'm saying? We'll be right back here next week. Um, shout out to Earl Patton and Kobe Brown from Sony Digital. Forgot to shout you guys out during our music segment, um, checking out our podcast weekly. Um, shout out to our listeners over in California, David, big homie out in Oakland listening in, um, down south um, in New Jersey and all over. Um, this is the collective signing off of the afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Shaba. Right. <laughs> Go On behalf of the Keys 107, we thank you for tuning in to The Collective. Check us out at Blogspot, our show blog, The Collective Radio, our basketball blog, Basketball Feed, our music blog, What We Hear, and our TV and movie blog, Television Cinema. Follow us on Twitter at Collective underscore DTR, as well as Instagram, and join our Facebook group, The Collective. And as always, tune in every Saturday with us between 1 and 3 p.m. Eastern Time, where young hosts come together to discuss and critique topics in sports, music, television, and film. Now let the beat rock out. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.